0: Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host,
1: Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another great episode of Crushing Cashflow. Today's guest is a special one. He's a multifamily syndicator, a podcast host, an author, an investor, actually a very experienced investor with over 9,000 multifamily units, and a business owner. Big welcome to Mr. Darren Batchelder. How are you, Darren?
2: Excellent. Andrew, appreciate you having me on.
1: It's always nice to reciprocate for those who don't know what the timing will be between the episodes, but Darren was kind enough to host me on his show, which was awesome. That was a great conversation. We went really into depth in a lot of areas. I'm hoping to return the favor here. So
2: yeah, I think think that one
1: comes out next week too. Uh, Good timing. Yeah. Okay, cool. As we record this one. So let's talk about your journey. 9000 units. I believe you started with was it a duplex or a quadplex we talked about I last st- time? Yeah, I
2: started with a duplex and, you know, look, I've interviewed a lot of investors and syndicators and I'm sure you have as well. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, that first investment can sometimes be the scariest investment to do. So, I'm 52, I started 4 or 5 years ago and I had always invested in the stock market and ETFs and mutual funds, whatever the case may be, stuff that people have trained you to do your whole life. And, you know, when I did that first duplex, my wife and I were buying it. It was a new construction duplex, 290,000. We were putting like 50,000 into it. And I was scared, man, because I didn't know, didn't know what I didn't know. And so, but I pushed myself to do it you know somebody said this to me on a podcast which i think is really good is the definition of courage is actually taking action when you're scared yeah it's not not being scared i was scared and i still did it and then that led to all these different things that i never even imagined would happen so to your listeners you got to make that first investment yeah.
1: you got to do it I'm curious, what, was the same apprehension, nervousness there with your duplex as it was for your first larger scale multifamily? Were they similar? Were they different? What you know, how yeah, would you compare those experiences?
2: It's interesting. I don't know if I've been asked that in that manner. You know, yeah. a lot of times people have asked, like, well, what do you like better? Your duplex or 76 unit first syndication. You know what? I think I was less scared on the 76 unit because I had joined a multifamily mentorship group. I surrounded myself with other people that were doing deals that were 100 unit, 200 unit, 300 unit deals. I was devouring podcasts, reading books, educating myself, where when I bought the duplex, I didn't really have all that knowledge and I didn't have other people that were doing it. So it was kind of like you felt like you were on an island. But once you surround yourself with other people that are doing it, then it was a lot more comfortable. Now there were definitely scary parts about it, for sure, but I knew that there was a path to success.
1: I'm going to ask you a question that people often ask me. You know, how did you know you needed to educate yourself, or how did you know you needed to join a mastermind or a mentorship group, or, you know, what were the triggers for you? Was it just asking around? Was it word of mouth? Like, what was going through your mind?
2: Yeah, so I think, and again, uh, I tell your listeners like, take this next step. It's like I didn't always know. How I was going to accomplish the fifth step down the road or the tenth step down the road, but I just took the next step, and then once I took that next step, then it opened my eyes to something else. So when we did the duplex, I was scared through that process, but then after I did it, I was like, you know what? We're going to get some positive cash flow off this, yeah. and we can have some appreciation. But I really want to go bigger. How can I go bigger? And so I went searching. I didn't know. I didn't know where to find it, but I went searching. And once you go searching, then all of a sudden things start popping up in front of you that you didn't even know were there.
1: Right. What was your trigger? I mean, for me, it was bigger pockets. That was my research point where I found this. If you haven't heard of the site, it's one of the largest, I think the largest investing forum in the world, Right. And there's hundreds or if not thousands of threads on just different people's experiences and just everything from how to find a property manager to how to find a property to how to manage a property. That was my trigger point. Was there one thing that stuck out for you? I'm curious. you know, I did find
2: bigger pockets later, and I think it's a great resource, you know, in addition to podcasts and books and cetera, yeah. and people. But the trigger for me was I have another business that trades loan portfolios between banks, residential, Mm -hmm. multifamily, and commercial real estate loans. And I've been in that business since 2002. You know, I just had a lot of chief lending officers and bank presidents that were like, I love multifamily because it's resilient in both an up economy and down economy. People need a place to live. And I'm like, man, I've been trading these loans for years and I haven't bought anything, (laughs) you know? And, you know, I'm just dumb. I've got to educate myself and get out there and figure it out.
1: You got to think about it this way. Like if the lenders are so excited about that asset class, multifamily, and they own the largest chunk of the property and they continue to lend on it with a lower risk profile, then it should get our attention, right? (laughs) As investors.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, I liken that to, you know, I also go to a lot of entrepreneurial conferences and real estate conferences and... I think about the lighting people and the people that are doing kind of setting up for that. You know, I've never been to a Tony Robbins event, but just imagine the people that are doing the actual work at the Tony Robbins event. If they listen to this guy and see all these people jumping up and down and changing their life dramatically and they don't take action, they're in the room for free. Yeah, Shame on them. And that's the way I felt about myself. I was Mm -hmm. like, I saw these banks that loved multifamily and why wasn't I buying it? So I got to go figure it out.
1: No, I love that. It's a a unique angle we haven't talked about before, but so powerful. So I'm curious, are you still investing in the small stuff as well as large stuff or mix of both? Are you exclusively looking for thousand unit complexes? (laughs) I'm exaggerating. (laughs) I,
2: I am more focused on larger. I'm not looking for duplexes or fourplexes or anything like that. I am looking at other asset classes. Um, so I invested passively in self-storage fund. Right now, in a capital raise on an RV park, and my wife and I bought an RV in April, and we've been traveling around. And, and I think that that is a, another possible, very attractive asset class that you know isn't getting looked at as hard as multifamily. So I'm trying to learn that space and. It's new. I guess I love to make money, but I also like to learn. So, Correct. you know, being yeah. able to go into a different asset class allows me that ability to do both.
1: You know, I'd love to hit on the RV part for a second. What got sure. you turned on that? I mean, you mentioned you travel a lot. Like, how do you compare your interest level and the, let's say the risk return ratio of that versus multifamily?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's things that are very attractive to it. One, we started traveling and I love the lifestyle of, you know, yep. traveling around an RV, it gives you access to different areas that I normally would not vacation. So we went to Montana and Colorado and Utah, and that's really cool. Um, so it's been fantastic from that standpoint. But it got my wheels turning, and cap rates are higher in RV parks than they are in multifamily. I've seen a lot of multifamily properties flip between different buying groups two and three and four times, and. On the RV side, there's a lot of mom and pop owners that maybe they bought one RV park. They don't really necessarily know how to take and manage it from a professional standpoint. So when I think of value add, I think that there's room in that marketplace, but it's different. I'm trying to learn. The other thing is right now where we are in a rising interest rate environment You know, with multifamily, interest rates are actually higher than the cap rate.
1: Which is wild, right?
2: Yeah. So normally you buy a multifamily property and there's, you know, 100 or 200 basis points difference between the interest rate you're putting on the loan, on the deal and the cap rate you're buying it. So immediately you as the ownership group are getting that spread between what the interest rate, so let's just say the interest rate was 4% and you bought it at 6% cap rate, you've got a 200 basis point spread, but now it's flipped where the interest rate is higher And cap rates are still lower than where interest rates are now. So you actually have to implement part of the value add just to make up for that spread. Well, on the RV park side, it's not that way yet. It might turn that way, but right now cap rates are still higher than the interest rate you would put on the loan. So you're going to get a positive spread.
1: What are you guys looking at in terms of value added? Is it adding it for RV park specifically? Is it adding amenities? Is it just looking at rent to market ratios, improvement, improvements to the land? I'm trying to get creative here how that might look. Yeah,
2: no, right, exactly. And I didn't know much about it you know, either until I started traveling, so I started looking at investments and whatnot. So the deal that we're doing right now is a ground up construction deal. So we're buying the land, we're gonna develop a brand new park and then lease it up. And there's a number of different risk points there, you know, are you going to get all the approvals and entitlements? Are you going to be able to implement the development in the timeline that you say, or are you going to be able to lease it up at the rates, you know, you're going to. So in this scenario, it's more of a ground up construction deal. So yeah. it's all built off of, are you going to be able to lease it up and lease it up at the rates that you want it? But in terms of value add, like we looked at potentially buying another park and a lot of the pad sites are gravel and it's just not that pretty you know yeah. it's not that nice so what kind of amenities can you put on that property you know is there room to put a pool and there's not a pool now are you able to spend money and actually pave the roads and put cement down for the pads you know depending on the tenant profile is it conducive to adding dog parks and playgrounds that sort of thing. So, you have to kind of look at where the property is and who the tenant base is and who the tenant base you want it to be. But marketing is also very important in the RV space is something that I'm learning. So, you know, multifamily, how do you find your multifamily property? I'm talking about the tenant. Now, you're probably yeah. going to look at where do you work, drive around in a 15-20 minute, you know, area and hey, I like this area. There's six apartment complexes here. I'm going to go look at those. So it's a lot of drive-by. We're in the RV space. It's really turned into you know, how do you attract new tenants? You know, Some of them just have word of mouth from years and years and years, but it's really developing a really strong online presence in an online reservation system, almost like a hotel. I mean, you've gone and signed up, I'm sure, for a hotel at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and didn't call the people. You just put in your reservation. Well, you can do that same thing with RV parks, but you'd be surprised how many RV parks say, call the office tomorrow at nine o'clock and they miss, you know, opportunities.
1: Wow. Interesting point. So to take it back, maybe a bit broader, you know, it could be multifamily, it could be R V parks you've invested in how many as an passive investor i mean thousands of units yeah right? thousands
2: and thousands and you know part of that is playing the game like yeah. when you get into any different world right you look at like well what do people talk about and you know what distinguishes one person from another person and so early on i listening to all these podcasts i heard I'm invested in a thousand units, Mm 2000 units, five, you know? And so I'm like, all right, well, it sounds like people think it's really good to be invested in a large number of units. So why recreate the wheel? I'm going to go down that path. And So when I took money out of the stock market and I started to invest in deals, I invested for a couple of different reasons. One, to bolster my real estate resume and two, to learn and three, to hopefully get a good return. Yeah. But, you know, there was one deal that was a portfolio of like seven or eight properties. Yeah. And like in one deal, one investment, I was able to invest in like 2000 units. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, yeah. So it's one deal. I'm, well, I'm, Darren Batchelder's invested in over 2000 units. Well, yeah, he could have invested in 50 units with the same dollar amount. Right. But it doesn't sound as good.
1: Right. There's a it's, bit of a marketing port for that. It's
2: a little stupid, you yeah, know, I know. but I'm like, hey, I'm not going to recreate the wheel. So one deal was 2000 units, but the rest are all 100, 200, 300 yeah. unit deals. So
1: what do you look for? What's most important to you? Do you look at the team? Do you look at the asset? Obviously, a combination of both. What are you looking for? I'm sure you've gone through your share of ups and downs with that much volume behind your sure. portfolio. What do you look for?
2: For me is what markets do I want to be in? You know, so I want to make sure I'm in strong markets, strong. What do I consider strong? I want to be in landlord friendly states so that if the operator has to evict a tenant, they're able to do that. Some states like California, New York, you know, it may take three months, six months, nine months. You know, I've heard horror stories from different investors to get a tenant out. Well, I don't want to invest in those states. Okay. So I like Texas, Arizona, the Carolinas, Florida, Tennessee, You know, growth markets where there's growing population, growing income, growing jobs. So once I narrow down, okay, what markets do I wanna be in? Then I wanna focus on the operators. Like, who do I wanna invest with? And I'm not even looking at the deal yet. I'm just, okay, I wanna be in Texas and I wanna invest with this guy, this guy, and this guy. And then I'm gonna get to know those people, Mm -hmm. you know? It's different in this world than in buying Amazon stock. You buy Amazon stock and you don't get to call the people, you know, but when you're doing these private equity deals, you know, you should have access to their cell phone number. And if you have any questions, ask, you know, I have people that are not in the real estate world that invest alongside me. And they're like, Darren, what do you think is the highest risk in this deal? And then I'll explain it to them, you know? So, and then it goes to the deal. Okay, and the deal I would say be you know passive investors, I get a lot of deals in my email box, and I'm sure you do too, and most deals look the same return balance yeah. wise it's six to eight percent cash on cash, eighty to one hundred and twenty percent total return over a five year period. but what I've learned is some operators under promise and over deliver, and other operators put really aggressive performance together to make the numbers look good and then they can't hit them. So look, you know, when you're in it and you're getting to know people, you talk to other people and you find out their track record and you find out who the people are that consistently over deliver. And the other thing I would say is, you know, you want to work with good people, people that you know, like, and trust, you know, and some people, you know, they're good people, but I just don't click with.
1: There's a cultural, I would say, maybe a yeah. fun element too. Like, you is yeah. their reporting and communication style jive with what you need. Some people are cool with a one liner email every month right. saying, "Hey, everything's going well eighty three percent occupancy or cash flowing all oh, as well." Other people want, "Hey, I want to see pictures of the units being renovated." And so you got to find that cultural fit.
2: Yeah, so. absolutely. That's a great point. You can actually so. I took the tact of like investing with a lot of different sponsors to learn their different communication style and figure out what I like and what I don't like and create my own. But interesting idea that you just came up with what you said was, you know, look, if you're looking to invest in your first deal, why not ask the guy, hey, can I see one of your monthly emails from a prior deal? And then you can review that to see if it jives with, you know, the type of communication that you're looking for.
1: That's a great idea. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome, man. There's been so much value unpacked in the last 20 minutes or so. For those who want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing and how you got into 9,000 units in such a short period of time, how do we get in touch with you? What's the best way?
2: I think the best way is uh, my website, darrenbatchelder.com. So it's D-A-R-I-N-B-A-T-C-H-E-L-D-E-R.com. I'm also on all the social media, so okay. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. cetera. And I've got a book called Why Not You? So you can find that through my name on Amazon.
1: Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining Darren. It's a blast.
2: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cash Flow podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey. And we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.